Hello, EKN Nation. It is time for a big EKN debrief coming off what was uh, the biggest Briggs & Stratton 206 event this country's ever seen. Cup Carts North America Grand National 7 going to the books last weekend at Newcastle Motorsports Park in Newcastle, Indiana. My name's Rob Haddon. David Cole, of course, will join me here as he did on the racetrack at Newcastle for episode 119 of the EKN debrief. It is Wednesday, October the 4th. Let's get things underway by presenting this weekend's show sponsor, Acceleration Car Racing. Acceleration Car Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from, and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belt, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. Head to www.shopakr.com. All right, David Cole, let's bring you in, man. You guys drove home on Monday. It was a heck of a weekend. You and I both had overall, I think, good weekends on track behind the wheel. Uh, you came up just short from what you were trying to do, but the bottom line is, overall, Cup Karts North America knocked this one out of the park. Yeah, knocked it out of the park, as did all the people in attendance, all the competitors, their families, everybody. I mean, just to be part of something this massive and this huge was uh, was breathtaking. I mean, yeah. to go over 100 entries more than what they had last year and over 400 drivers racing on the racetrack, nine different categories. Um, just, yeah, I mean... You know, to think where it was in 2019 when we first went there for the the third edition of the event uh, to where it is now, it's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, the race taking place September the 28th to October 1st. As I said, New, Newcastle Motorsports Park. Uh, as we also said from the very beginning, the lar largest Briggs & Stratton only event in North America and around the world. An, an absolutely stunning number that will uh, very likely grow uh, next year. It's, it's uh, that was kind of the talk of, Hey, how big can this thing actually get? Uh, we'll go to buy the numbers in a couple of seconds. We'll kind of press the reset button there, but David, to cap things off is to, to kind of overview the, the, the past weekend, which was fantastic. Hey, one of the big parts of it was because in years past, there's been rain. There was a couple little foggy mornings where we had maybe a little bit of, you know, some sprinkle. You and I checked in our rain tires just in case. But the bottom line was for for uh, you know a late September, early October weekend, it was ideal. It was well, not really. I it was it was almost uh, surreal that it it really <laughs> felt like it was June weather in what was on Sunday October. Um, you know, it it was shorts weather all weekend long. Nobody's wearing pants unless you were, you know, the true four cycle racer with jeans and and a jacket when you're going on racetrack. Uh, but yeah, right? you know, it, it was unseasonable weather, uh, just how warm it was the foggy mornings. Now that, that threw everybody for a loop. I mean, that we went session out was there. wild, wasn't it? <laughs> that I'm telling you what, I, I almost, I almost though preferred the foggy morning than I did, uh, the sun beating through my visor because October, you know, end of September, October, the sun's really low and we're going yeah. out and racetrack at eight in the morning and it's really low. And so you're hitting it at certain points and it's almost blinding how bright it can be. But um, uh, even at night, too, when you're getting towards the end of the night and and you the sun is setting, it's even low then, too. So unique circumstances, you know, because, again, of the time of the season that we're racing. But um, 
just unreal to have the weather that we did have. And it was perfect backdrop for what was a record setting weekend. Yeah, I, I can't say that I wouldn't have minded it being in the low seventies either, because it would have been a little, <laughs> a little easier. Because I, we, you know, it did get super hot, as we know, low eighties. Uh, we mentioned the foggy mornings. We had a couple of pretty slick, slick uh, sessions one morning, uh, but otherwise, overall, it was just absolutely perfect. Sunday was fantastic. Everybody enjoyed themselves. A lot of great stuff happened throughout the weekend that we'll get to. But as we do with our uh, our um, debrief podcast here, let's look at by the numbers. David mentioned, uh, you know, the third edition back in 2019 at 281, went to 296 during the, the COVID season, 375, a big jump up there, 385, a little jump for 2022. But David, uh, also, and I know that they, they, they had, I think, 513 uh, entries that were logged. How many drivers did, did we actually get to take qualifying times this year? Well, entries that took qualifying lap. Uh, was 485. I don't. I don't have the the driver breakdown. I think what would we come up with 420 some drivers? I think uh, when I look when I did the preview, I'll, I'll look at that in a second here. Um, so yeah, that's those are the the 485 are entries who actually recorded um, on track session because yeah. again they had entries who you know you look at the Bolton family. I think they had probably like five entries that. Uh, were in but didn't didn't compete because of certain situations others you know there was a couple others as well too um todd, uh, todd jurors he was another one that yep. was entered but uh injury kept him off the racetrack so um so yeah our number 485 because that's what we do with all our events that we talk about is the actual carts or entries on racetrack yeah, so uh, Kid Card had a good little group of twelve drivers, all all essentially new. The the I think the big thing, Dave, was the split between the sportsman and cadet category. Uh, kind of breaking that up with the with the um, the kind of age delineation there. Thirty four in sportsman, twenty eight in cadet. Both those categories putting on good shows for really a, what was a total of about sixty two drivers in in total, right, coming in from from last year. So, although although they were both lower like obviously sports went from 55 to uh, to 34 that kind of uh age gap or age group uh really actually had a pretty big jump as well yeah because you go from 55 to 62 essentially combining the two categories because of the split now uh based on the age so um and you'll see that you know probably you'll see the cadet number grow and and sportsmen will obviously so. be yeah. will bounce around because you'll have kids moving up to junior and then you'll have some cadet drivers moving up to sportsmen. So again, that'll be, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity. You know, nobody's going home because of the field sizes are are solid. You know, if if they stick stick around the, you know, around forty drivers each, you know, that'll be uh, a continued increase if they can get a, continue to bring more drivers there. Yeah, seventy seven was the big jump there for junior. Fifty one last year, up to seventy seven. The senior, light, medium, and heavy categories, which are open to the the larger numbers to go to the ABCD heat race program. Eighty nine in senior light. They ended up with ninety five drivers in senior medium. So we'll see uh, that hundred mark likely get to hit next year. Sixty two in senior heavy, and then the drivers like myself running both double duty and masters and legends. Forty eight drivers in our masters category, the biggest ever masters category at the Cup Carts. North America Grand Nationals, and then the Legends, which is 50 years of age and older, which launched back in 2021. Uh, got a couple, 38 drivers the last couple of years. They went 40 uh, all told here for, for a grand total of 485 official drivers taking qualifying times. Bottom line is 
485, a brand new standard. Now, they went over 500, David, on entries. The talk during the weekend was, can we get to 600 next year? The way they've lined things up in terms of having the schedule with the last chance qualifiers and opening four categories up to multiple you know, heat races, they could quite easily, I think, go to, go to probably 650, 700. Well, let's see. Cap Masters and Legends at 58 if yeah. they keep with the same number. Um, so you're looking at 10 plus 18, that's 28 more. And then you, you know, again, look at sportsman cadet, you're, you're nearly doubling both of those. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's going to add up a hundred entries really quick, you know, and, and you continue to add into senior heavy, senior light, senior medium until those big categories are capped, even junior at 77, you can easily get a hundred junior drivers competing, uh, at the grand national. So, um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a reality now, you know, kid cart will obviously be one that that'll stick around, um, in, in that area, depending on, you know, the, the, the continued growth of that. And you always have graduation, graduation into the cadet division. So, um, 600 is not unrealistic now that, you know, we thought 500 was unrealistic. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm going to say 600 is not unrealistic. Um, no. It's, you know, the, 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 the Canada division is growing. You got the new Northeast program that is uh, building momentum in the Northeast. Of course, you have the, the, the flagship North division that continues to go. And then the South program that'll be starting up here just in a couple months. So, um, you know, and there's talk about, you know, down the road expanding out West. So, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, there were a lot of West coast racers there. Um, so that's good to see, but you can always bring more of those guys, those drivers this way to the one-off race. That is the cup cards, North America, grand nationals. That is exactly that folks. We are underway with episode 119 of our EK and debrief discussing this past weekend's cup cards, North America, grand national seventh with invaded uh, Newcastle motorsports park. We get back after this break, we'll hit on the paddock pass, talk a little bit about the stuff that's not class-by-class race report oriented. Stay with us. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Ready to step up your game? Joining the Rawlison Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national-level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. We work with all age groups and are focused on developing those cadet and junior drivers who are ready to take the next step in their racing program. Rawlison Performance Group has set a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vincent. AVP has become the benchmark in IAMI competition. We have the largest OTK inventory that follows our race team, providing trackside parts at all the major events in North America. RPG also offers multilingual support with French, Spanish, and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. The Rawls Performance Group. We race to win. Made in the USA. That's exactly what you get from Precision Karting Technologies. Based in Detroit, Michigan, PKT brings over 35 years of manufacturing experience to the sport of karting. 
Their passion for the sport began focusing around the kid kart platform and has expanded every year with hundreds of products designed to put you on the podium. Precision Karting Technologies is known around North America for their successful line of axles available in all age groups. PKT manufactures a number of engine products for Comer, IAMI, Rock, Rotax, and the popular Briggs & Stratton 206. A wide variety of chassis components for the many brands in the sport are available through PKT, including hubs, pedal risers, skid plates, and other hardware for your cart. Axle straightening, chassis adjustments, engine service, and specific CNC machining projects are available through their Motor City headquarters. To learn more about the many products and services available from Precision Karting Technologies, head to pktaxles.com. Wins in the sport's biggest races and championships in national and regional series all over the country, they're all on Nitro Kart's growing resume. Nitro Kart continues to make its statement as the best, fastest, and winningest cadet chassis on the American market. In 2021, Nitro Kart won the three biggest crowns in America in the Microsoft division, with Matteo, Rosu, and the Scusa Pro Tour, and both the Super Nationals and the USPKS titles with Keelan Harvick. At the Super Nats alone, three of the top five drivers on the podium got there on a Nitro Kart. The results are clear. If you want to win in Cadet, get a Nitro Kart and join our team. At Nitro Kart, we're all about driver development. Nick Tucker and the Nitro Crew's racing resumes are extensive, and their passion for helping our kids learn is unparalleled. Racing is about consistent learning, and that's what we're all about here at Nitro Kart. Never wanting to quit, we've continued to extend the reach of our driver development program. In addition to expanding into the junior and senior karting categories, we've also launched Nitro Motorsports, which will field two cars this season in the Trans Am by Pirelli series, one being piloted by karting champion Brent Cruz. Not only can we develop your young driver, but we can also provide the platform if a move to cars is in your plan. And our second seat is available. If you're serious about your driver's career, contact us today. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief, episode number 119. The CKNA Grand Nationals are focus of the race report today. We're jumping into the Paddock Pass presented by Margay Racing. Do you want to be part of the fastest growing series in the sport? Check out Margay Racing's Spec Ignite packages. Nothing matches the affordability and competitive level of the Ignite program, where the best driver wins over the best equipment. For more information, please visit ignitecarting.com today. Get off the couch and into a race seat with Margay Racing. All right, David, let's have a look at some of the Paddock Pass stuff. The, obviously, we're going to jump into the race report after this next break, but let's talk about Paddock Pass. Let's just talk about some of the stuff that you and I picked up being trackside, uh, working our way through the paddock, whatever it may be. You know, uh, it's it's interesting because we keep talking about rain. Well, rain was a, a factor for a number of years at the Grand Nationals, and now, but this has been the second year now. Uh, yeah, we did have a little bit of a wet track to begin on Thursday practice, but um, everybody was basically on, I, well, I think they were on slick tires uh, or dry tires. So, um, But to go the whole event without having a, an official wet session, I know there was a little bit of a drizzle in the, in the pre-qualifying uh, session for senior medium just after we got done with Masters. Um, but, but that's pretty solid to have that because – to have that back-to-back -back years, um, it's it's going to be something that uh, is going to be wanted and needed <laughs> in the future because I think people enjoyed it. But uh, it, it'll be tough to to continue that that streak going into 2024. 
Yeah, we'll see. You never know. It all depends on when this race ends up, you know, getting getting scheduled as well. They actually didn't come out and, and lock down the date. I, I didn't hear. Did you hear anybody lock down a date for 2024? I don't think I did. It was not announced as yeah, far as I know. I, thought, I yeah. know it's in discussion. Um, yeah, as far as I know, nothing, nothing's official officially has been announced. And I, and I know that's another bullet point is, is because they're talking about, um, starting 2024 in the month of December. Um, Brett Spotty's working with the winter nationals and moving it to the month of December. Um, so that's going to be coming official here soon. I know they're, they're looking at either this week or next week to making everything official. So, so stay tuned to that. There you go. Yeah. So David dropping some tea there. Um, one of the cool things, David, obviously the, this is the biggest race we've had so far in 2023. Uh, one of the things I thought was very interesting was, and it's kind of happened over the last couple of years, not surprising the whole, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. Um, it's not only about Briggs 206 racers, right? The regular four cycle guys, you're seeing a lot of drivers from maybe the two cycle top national series and regional series. Want to be part of this, right? Some of the guys have never driven a, a, a 206 before, but they're like, I want to be part of this event. I don't want to miss out. So we saw a bunch of top two cycle stars uh, be part of this action as well. Yeah, or they don't regularly race four cycle, but they're now making this almost like an annual one-off for themselves in Briggs 206 racing because of the competition level, because of the prestige of the event now. Uh, they're, they're, everybody's putting this on their calendar. Now it's not to say we're going to have a Ryan Norberg or, or, a Marnie Kremers, you know, come yeah, and race right. the cup cards, North <laughs> America grand nationals. But you know, you know, you got your jars of cracks your Pauli Massimino's your, your Austin Garrison's drivers who have had many and good success in two cycle racing continue to have that. But mark this, you know, it's almost like they have more fun at an event like this. Um, not as much pressure. Uh, built up as a, yep. as you'll see them at a Scuso or USPKS race. So, um, and even the junior drivers, there's a number of junior drivers. There's some drivers that have moved up, uh, moved up to his senior ranks, like an Austin Olds. He he raced senior this weekend, um, and also cadets. You know, we we saw some drivers that were at the Road Tax uh, US Trophy Final that uh, came right back, uh, including one of our winners there. So um, yeah, yeah, exactly that. That's uh, you know, again, it's just you know the four cycle program a lot welcomes everybody and i think that's one of the great things about it and why the numbers are so big because you have a lot of club drivers um, that's the majority i think of the entries are club and regional drivers that are racing at this event and then you throw you sprinkle in some some drivers that you see on a regular basis at the national level and so it just it just makes it it, it has that feel of again i keep saying it the runoffs it's it's kind of the Every, a big melting pot of everyone in the sport. One of the cool things I thought is part of the paddock, two little paddock notes for me. Number one is it's, it's, I love the fact that especially at this at grass level, grassroots level racing, there's so many American manufacturers that are involved as well. Right. Which I think is super cool to see the coyotes invader, uh, MGM, Margay, right. We're seeing a bunch of all, all these, you know, you know, ionic edge. Uh, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a lot of, of, of domestic manufacturers at a race like this, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, and that's one, you know, four cycle racing is kind of the avenue that they, those manufacturers have kind of kept to, um, you know, obviously the two cycle world uh, across the globe has, is, has just, you know, blown up and, you know, all the manufacturers are, are now based around, you know, uh, in Europe 
And, and so that, you know, four cycle racing really has continued to be kind of American focus, even though the Briggs and Stratton 206 platform has gone a global, uh, you know, majority of, of your grassroots racers, um, are stick to the four cycle side of things. And, and it's more familiar. It's what they, they got came up through the sport in, um, and, and it just kind of works out, you know, and, but it's funny to see kind of the mixture, you know, there was a lot of the American brands that, uh, had a lot of success, but you had some of the European models coming in that, uh, do very well <clears throat> in the, in the lower horsepower categories. So it's a good mix and it, but it's great to see the, 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 the drive and focus of the American manufacturers to, to, to be the best at this, at this, um, event and at four cycle racing. Yeah. And I'll tell you one of the other things, just so I talk about being the two, two notes from being in the paddock. One of the things for me, and it was a stark contrast to what we normally see when you and I are doing a lot of national racing is I, I, one of the, I can't, I think it might've been the Friday night when I first saw it was, uh, you know, we were working away in our, in our I was with uh, obviously uh, John Seglum and, and precision performance karting. You were and brand and Brandon dress crack racing. You were with LSR motorsports and CRG Nordam, but we were kind of there late working on some stuff, you know, wrapping things up. And then, I kind of walked around, I went, went back inside the, or went over to get inside the racer's grill and just the sheer amount of every kind of every group or tent or family, they were all grilling. Like they were all like, it was, like at the end of the day, it wasn't people bailing back to the hotel to go to, go to a restaurant. The grills were set up. You could see, you know, like it was there, the atmosphere trackside later on where everybody was just kind of hanging out and doing that old school uh, you know, barbecuing together. I thought that was so cool at the end of, at the end of those days for me. Yeah. And you, I mean, that's, you, there were probably more RVs at this event yeah. or, or tents that you've seen any other events. So, you know, that that's part of it as well too. So you're going to see people grilling out because they're there, they're there all week. You know, this is, that's home. They're not going to a hotel. So that's, that's a little bit of a different side of four cycle racing compared to two cycle racing. Um, they also had the, the 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 divisional banquets each night, Thursday yep. night and Friday night. Had two divisions on Thursday, two divisions on Friday, so that kept people a lot of people at the racetrack a little bit later as well too. And the Saturday uh, party, and then Saturday, yeah. They 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 there's been the 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 chili cook off has been going on for a number of years, but this time, you know, Cup Carts really wanted to back it up, and and so for those who didn't want to partake in the chili. Uh, Mike Adams and Greg Jasperson put to, put put a couple grills together, got some hot dogs, hamburgers, and, and free beverages. So you know you can't go wrong with with that. <laughs> and uh, you know got a lot of people sitting outside Turn One enjoying the chili contest and just sitting around bench racing and and talking about the the day's uh, activities. Yeah, that was a ton of fun for sure. Uh, let's let's cap off this edition of the Paddock Pass brought to you by Margay Racing with the question of this, David. Uh, we talked a little bit by the numbers. You know, how, how big can we expand the field or is, is there a concept that potentially, because I, I'll say this, we'll bring it up in paddock pass as opposed to at the end of the show, because I was in a bunch of conversations. You were in a bunch of conversations about this. Um, do we limit the future grand nationals in terms of how many people can come? Uh, you know, do you need to qualify to come? That, that was kind of, a, I think, because we'll, I know later on we'll talk at the end of the end about kind of the, the little bit of roughness of the racing, but there was a lot of people that were chatting about whether or not you needed to qualify to come to the grand nationals. Yeah. You know, and, and the many conversations, you know, both online in our face-to-face shows and, and off air with, with Greg Jasperson and, and Steven Vermeer, you know, they're, they're not here to, to tell, you no. they're here to welcome anybody or, and everybody Yeah, in a way. 
So, so the thought of that, you know, I, I can understand it from, from racers perspective about, you know, if they're, if they're getting beat off the racetrack, every single session, every single lap, um, you know, kind of monitoring that. But, you know, when you got 10 officials on the racetrack looking at everything, they should be calling stuff. Now, because we were racing, I don't have a full insight into how many penalties were called, how mm-hmm. all that was being worked out. It's it's a little tougher when, when we're trying to do double duty. And yeah. I was really focused on racing. I don't know about you. but That was pretty much there. That was, um, that's all I had. So, you know. I, because you know, somebody I can, made me do double duty. <laughs> yeah, all, I did. That's all I, I could focus I on. <laughs> But again, you know, this is, they're here to make this the biggest race they can and not to, not to limit the, I, so I understand the viewpoint of, of limiting the entry or, or having to qualify. You know, somebody said, you know, maybe do like the old school, you know, you had to get punches. So you have to race a divisional in order to be at the, at the grand nationals. And I, and I look at the numbers and I'm like, well, then you're going to be limited to probably 200 entries rather than possible 600 entries. And it wouldn't be what it is. And it wouldn't be what it is. You know, again, this isn't an all-star race. This is a gathering of four cycle racers who want to come and race and compete against one another to determine who's the best on the, on the weekend. And, you know, cause again, it's not a yearly thing. It's a one-off. It's how you do that weekend again, because there's a lot of good drivers that struggled or, or had ran into issues and that it's going to happen. And, and, you know, you know, we, you know, we know too well of that. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. All right, folks, that's your uh, paddock pass. When we get back after this break, we'll jump into the race report. We'll get started uh, with the three senior categories. We'll roll into senior light, senior medium, and senior heavy. Stay tuned. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. There's a new hot button name in American safety equipment, Stilo USA. Every product with Stilo is focused on safety, comfort, and function. Stilo USA is happy to provide you with the proper safety apparel to keep you protected on the track, and their karting lineup is second to none. The ST5 KRT karting helmet is available for $599. Manufactured using a lightweight and extremely strong composite material, the KRT provides an excellent fit and comfort level due to its dual-density interior foam lining and it's equipped with a symmetrical visor that offers excellent vision and an effortless central visor locking system. The ST5 CMR standard was developed jointly by the FIA Institute and Snell Memorial Foundation to ensure safer and lighter weight helmets for the younger carters. Drivers rave about the superior comfort levels, lightweight construction, and the unparalleled field of vision. The perfect youth helmet is available for $549. Stilo didn't stop with their helmets either. The newly developed Carbon Curva Rib Protector is unlike any on the market with its form-fitting solution to offer superior protection. Head to StiloHelmets.com to review these and many more products to keep you safe on the track. Stilo. Any competition, one helmet. For over 20 years, Greg Bell has been building race-winning power for kart racers. One need only look at his team, Leading Edge Motorsports. He's always built engines for his team, and the results have been wins at the biggest races in America, the Scusa Super Nationals and the Rock Vegas events. The name on this program, Mega Power. This year alone, Bell and Danny Formell teamed up to sweep the Rock Shifter class on the Florida Winter Tour, all on a Mega Power engine. 
If you want to win shifter kart races, it's time to put Mega Power on your kart. Mega Power specializes in gearbox engines, such as the TMKZ, Rock Shifter, and IME Shifter, but with almost three decades of engine building experience, Bell develops winning motors for X30 and Mini Swift and everything in between. The combination of Greg Bell's engine building skills and his chassis tuning knowledge is a potent mixture. Greg's helped catapult many drivers to wins over the years, including Mercedes F1 star George Russell, who won the Super Nats 14 in 2011 with Leading Edge Motorsports. Increase your odds of winning at this year's Rock Vegas or Super National events or throughout 2023 by calling Greg Bell today at 209-747-2613 to put mega power in your corner. In racing, experience is priceless. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience and we can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. Check out our online store at www.franklincart.com where all our products are just a mouse click away. We're constantly adding to the growing product selection on the online store and we ship daily to ensure products get to you quickly. We specialize in IAMI engines, tilt seats, ceramic products, driveline branded products, Briggs & Stratton engines, OTK products, and of course, the championship winning Merlin chassis. In our online store, you'll find a variety of items to fill your karting needs. Franklin Motorsports is also known for our wide variety of services and is home to innovative engine works by FMS, our in-house engine service department. Frame straightening, cart prep, and dyno testing are all services offered regularly at Franklin Motorsports. For all things karting, visit franklincart.com. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief Podcast, episode number 119. David Cole, myself, Rob Howden, diving into this Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals. Biggest event in seven-year history. Uh, over 500 entries total when they rolled in, about 485 actually taking a qualifying time. Uh, so it's time to talk about that. Let's, let's, let's roll into the race report presented today by Comet Cart Sales. History, success, family. These are three words that describe Comet Cart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside Indianapolis and has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in their near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, and they are continually adding parts to their product line. Make sure you head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-462. 3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. All right, David, let's roll in here. 95 drivers in senior, medium, former winners, Colin, uh, Colin Warren, Jeremy Warren, Gary Lawson, Jordan Pryor, Jacob Donald, uh, and Mick Gabriel. Uh, this was going to be an interesting one when it all, when it all came down because uh, the, the, the Coyote crew was pretty strong, came out of the gate big time. Uh, and they actually all got, all got started with uh, James Overbeck uh, qualifying on the pole with a 112.572 for precision performance karting. Yeah, Ian Quinn, second in qualifying. Eli Warren, last year's junior winner in the third position. Brandon Jars cracked fourth and Eli Fox fifth. So a good kind of 
mix of chassis there. You got Coyote, Burrell Art, you have an OTK, you have Coyote, and then I believe Eli Fox on an MGM. So uh, a lot, of, you know, again, that, that was kind of the theme is we saw a lot of different brands uh, towards the front in senior medium fighting for the number one spot. But over the heat races, it was really only two chassis that were there. It was it was the VLR of Colin Warren who won three heat races. So he went three for three. Polly Massimino and the Coyote picking up two wins and then Overback actually winning uh, his last heat race. So he was able to notch at least one win after setting fast time and qualifying. So that kind of mixed up the order a little bit with Warren and Massimino there uh, setting up on the front row. Uh, Christopher McKeithen overback on the Coyotes in row two. And then Hudson Brown, which has been uh, a driver to watch. He was uh, a Northeast champion. Uh, he was kind of in the mix as well all weekend long and sitting there in fifth to start the main event. Uh, you know, the cool factor of running the 206 category uh, at Newcastle Motorsports Park, there are a number of places to overtake. And, you know, we had to leave you know, the, the, the front grids, uh, or the, the front packs, if they work together, we saw guys able to pull away in the heat races in the mains. Uh, but when obviously it was, but you know, when you're, when you're battling with, with potential team members, there was a lot of guys that I, I like to use the term disruptors, right? David guys were in there were like, okay, I'm not going to let this thing just shake down the way it is. There were guys that wanted to lead, uh, you know, you'd fall back a little bit. You'd be leading one lap. You'd be back at fifth, the next lap. That's kind of, I think the way it kind of played out that there was just so much, uh, so much back and forth action that in the end of this one here, uh, one of the kids that's been super impressive throughout the year, Christopher McKeithen was the driver actually who came out with a, with, with a big victory uh, over uh, over Quinn. Bottom line was it was a great scrapping for second, but McKeithen over the final couple laps was able to pull away. Yeah, he got a little help. Uh, James Overbeck was a little bit of a uh, disturbance for the other competitors and actually was removed from the racetrack as they were taking the white flag, received a black flag, and uh, uh, talking to officials, I believe I was told he received four penalties in the race alone. Whoa. Uh, thus was uh, given the actual black flag to be removed from the racetrack. So uh, excessive penalties was the call on that. So by that time, however, you know, McKeithen had had a pretty solid lead um, taking the white flag. And so what basically went unchallenged to the to the victory. But uh, overall, a great drive for him to be able to get out front and get away from from all the craziness that was happening behind him uh, with with Overbeck pulling off the racetrack. Ian Quinn was able to win the battle for second, getting to the line ahead of Adam Maxwell on a Coyote. Uh, Jake Hevlo on an Invader finishing fourth and Pauli Massimino uh, rounding out the top five podium. Yeah, Massimino fell back a little bit and had to scrap his way back forward and was able to get to the kind of tail end of that next group. Uh, the hard charge of the race, Jacob Duval, 37 spot advance, but probably one of the bigger advancements of the, the entire event, I would think. Uh, 55th starting, very deep in, the, deep in the field, ended up working his way up into the 18th position. Great run for Jacob Duval. Uh, Dave, we really kind of were, were, were treated to three big senior races with light and heavy as well. 89 drivers in a light category. We mentioned Colin Warren, a multi-time winner in the medium class. He's got two wins. He won the first year of the light category back in 2021 and 2021 as well. Jordan Pryor in 2022. You mentioned uh, James Overbeck uh, on the Coyote. Uh, he was quick all weekend long, qualified P1 for senior light. Yeah, and a 111.793. So I believe that was the quickest uh, qualifying lap of the weekend. 
Uh, Austin Garrison in the GFC sitting second on the time chart ahead of Christopher McKeithen. Henry Wheeler on the uh, Charles Leclerc cart, I believe, or Burrell Art, one of the one of yeah. the uh, the Red Army machines with uh, with Mark Steele Racing, uh, and Paulie Massimino completing the Fast Five. Uh, looking at the heat races, um, Massimino, the only driver to pick up two wins uh, over the six different heat races. Of course, ABDC format. Uh, Massimino picking up two. You had Austin Garrison, Overbeck, uh, McKeithen, and uh, Clark. Um, uh, Keegan Clark picking up a heat win as well, too. So a lot of different drivers in the mix uh, during the heat races for Senior Light. That set up the main event grid to look like this. Paulie Massimino and James Overbeck on the front row. Christopher McKeithen and Brandon Jarzakrak on row two to give Coyote one, two, three, four starting positions with Colin Warren going from P5. Yeah, you look over the last couple of years with Brandon Jarzakrak hooking up with uh, John Seglum from Precision Performance Karting. And of course, working very closely with uh, Jim and Mark Lapari from Coyote uh, Motorsports, David, that they've worked very hard on, on, I know, you know, evolving the chassis that the Coyote chassis and, and, uh, you know, Jurassic Crack was a big part of that R and D and the development. And this, this has got to be the Zenith of this, right? And I didn't mean to use the word Zenith. Oh, because, yeah, I, I heard you say it. Pretty solid, it. right? The Coyote <laughs> Zenith is the chassis, but the Zenith of the whole thing, the kind of top point that this has to be the, 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 the culmination of all that work, David, because in the end they came across the line Essentially, too wide, too deep. Coyote one, two, three, four, with Overbeck getting the win by just thirteen thousandths of a second from Papali Massimino. But man, that was that was a big, big race for Coyote. Yeah, they just will all work together because it was it was Colin Warren and Austin Garrison trying to get in there and trying to mix it up and break up the train of the four Coyote yeah. drivers, and they just Disruptors. were not able to. Yeah, yeah, they were just not able to do that. Uh, it was it was Massimino and Overback that were up front for a majority of the race. McKeithen and and Charles are cracked back there, running third and and fourth. But um, yeah, Warren, uh, I think it was Garrison lost the draft first, and then eventually Warren got shuffled back as well too. And so they were just sitting there, unable to 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 compete against the the four drivers as they they continued to run nose to tail until the final lap. A little bit of a little bit of competitive competition between Overbeck and Massimino for the top spot. And it was a drag race to the line. Overbeck taking the victory by 13 thousandths of a second. Was that the closest finish, Dave, on the, on the weekend? I believe for the main events it is. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, uh, hard charger David Barnes started 58th, ends up driving his way up 30 spots to 28th position. So great job for David Barnes there. Capping off our senior category, 62 entries all told. In the uh, senior heavy class, Curtis Fox, Canadian, winning back in 2019. Gary Lost in 2020. Adam Maxwell, who was a podium finisher this year, won the category in 2021. Eric Fagan last year. Jake Heblow, though, as you mentioned, we've talked about him already. He was the fastest driver in qualifying, outgunning Colin Aiken, Sean Meyer, Jerry Fandry, and Eli Fox. Uh, David, another big grid, so a lot of heat races and a number of different winners. I want to say that I think there were six different winners. Total, six right? different winners yeah. and six different heat races. You had Hevlo and Aitken uh, taking the first round. Uh, Eli Fox and I believe it was PJ Lida. Let me double check that. Yeah, PJ Lida winning heat number two. And then uh, Nick Sobiak and Eric Fagan winning in the heat three rounds. So... Uh, yeah, six different winners, six different heat races. So that 
I was in this field. And I tell you what, man, it was it was a very competitive field. You made a mistake, you lost positions right away. Yeah, so, um, yeah. uh, so that set up the grid with actually Fagan taking the pole position ahead of Chris Carroll, who didn't win a heat race, but consistency over his three heat races put him on the front row for the main event alongside or just ahead of uh, PJ Lida and David Vasquez in row two, and then Eli Fox starting from P5. Yeah, David, this thing kind of settled it as we would have expected with it, with a big lead pack kind of getting rolling, six-driver lead pack early on. Chris Carroll uh, led a majority of the race, but uh, they came down to the battle, right, between uh, uh, Fagan and Fandry. Uh, as they went at it, they, they went to P1 and P2, and it really it all came down to, to a big scrap on the last lap over in the Monza corner where things got uh, a little crazy and allowed Chris Carroll uh, to, to emerge as the winner. Yeah, when the two drivers in front get together and you're sitting third it's uh it's the greatest present you can receive because <laughs> it allows you that one last corner to get through yeah. and the run to the checker flag and chris carroll was able to celebrate a victory uh as he took the checker flag just under two tenths ahead of david vasquez who slipped past fandry and fagan and then jake hevlo finishing in the fifth spot yeah fandry on the eos fagan on the mgm hevlo on or hevlo rather on the uh, the invader uh, and indeed, as we said, Chris Carroll coming through. So it was a coyote sweep of the senior categories with McKeithen, uh, Overbeck, and then Carroll, hard charger Caleb Case up 18 spots, started 42nd and powered his way forward to the 24th position. It was some great racing in the senior categories, but uh, not to be outdone were Masters and Legends. They put on a good show as well. We'll come back with more on the race report presented by Comet Cart Sales. You want the best, you just gotta roll with the best. Streeter Superstands. This is Jeff Wessel from StreeterSuperstands.com. You wouldn't put subpar parts on your racing cart, so why put that cherished ride of yours on anything but karting's number one lifts and stands, Streeter Superstands. Streeter is the original and genuine manufacturer of the second-to-none Bigfoot rolling stands, stackers, uprights, and industry-leading superlift. We also manufacture and sell the largest and always growing roster of trailer and shop accessories like tire, engine and jug racks, cabinets, spray can trays, beat breakers, and tons more to outfit any size trailer, team, and budget. Streeter Superstance has over 30 continuous years of experience. Rick Hart racers just like you and know that the Streeter name represents the absolute best in stands, lifts, and accessories for karting enthusiasts worldwide. Durability, affordability, unmatched quality, and customer service, that's what sets us apart from the rest. Check us out now at StreeterSuperstands.com. Roll with the best, StreeterSuperstands.com. It all started in 1994, when former successful kart driver Albino Perilin decided to move his passion for karting from the track to his small workshop. That's when Perilin was born. Fast forward 20 years and Perlin's passion for the sport led to the company rejoining international competitions as a factory team in WSK and CIK FIA races with the aim of enhancing the research and development process, immediately achieving notable results around Europe, North America and Asia, becoming the CIK FIA Asia Pacific KZ champion in the same year. Perlin USA is North America's source for Perlin products we run a factory team at all of the major Supercarts USA and Rock Cup USA events. The Parallel chassis lineup for 2021 includes the Invader Shifter, the Le Mans Tag Single Speed Chassis for Junior and Senior Classes, and the 28mm Mini Cart for the Cadet Classes. 
Carolyn has been winning races all over the world. And it's on top of the podium in the USA as well, with drivers like Kai Sorensen, Mateus Arjuela, and Alessandro de Tullio. Get on the chassis that's winning. Drive a Parolin. For more information, head to ParolinUSA.com. CRG is one of the most iconic brands in karting, and we're primed and ready for the 2022 season with new material and a never-ending focus on winning. CRG Nordam is the North American distributor for all CRG products. Based outside of Houston, Texas, CRG Nordam supports CRG dealers across the continent, reaching every corner of North America. The CRG KT5 is our new chassis for tag and shifter racing, and it's been designed specifically for the U.S. market. The KT5 features 30mm construction with a 32mm front loop to increase front grip. CRG's new Ven 13 brake system is cutting-edge technology with a master cylinder that allows for pressure regulation within the system. Drivers can customize brake pressure to their own requirements to improve feel and to avoid brake lockup. The cart is finished with new KG 507-508 bodywork that has refined aerodynamics and reduced weight. For cadet drivers, the 2022 CRG Black Mirror is already logging positive results to start the new season. This chassis will be making big waves in 2022. Longtime CRG drivers will be happy to know that the CRG Road Rebel, the standard in quality and performance, is still available. With Force Cycle Racing enjoying consistent growth in North America, CRG's FS4 chassis is the ideal choice for racers in Briggs and Stratton competition. From pure racing to karting entertainment, many tracks, both indoor and outdoor, have made the switch to the CRG Centurion rental cart line. Five different models for both gas-powered or electric engines can fit any track's needs for a new rental cart fleet. CRG Nordam has a full inventory of rental carts available for new and existing facilities. For more information on the CRG product line, head to www.cartcrg.com and to inquire about a North American dealer near you, please email us at info at cartcrg-nordam.com. Welcome back to the ECAN Radio Network, our ECAN debrief of the CKNA Grand National 7th of Newcastle Motorsports Park. This is episode number 119. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. Uh, I was actually in these two categories. David, you mentioned the fact that you were racing senior heavy as well. Let's ca- uh, look at our master's category, 48 uh, entries all, uh, coming into the weekend. Uh, Scott Jeffries, a winner, Michael Welsh, Nick Tucker, Brandon Adkins, Michael Dittmer, and Eric Fagan, all winning uh, on the uh, through the history of this Masters category, but uh, uh, a solid little run for qualifying for a guy that we know from the national level. Yeah, I'm not sure I know this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Ben Crittenden of Super Tune, and uh, originally back with First Cart back in the day uh, when we first met him uh, in the early 2000s. Uh, ben, uh, we raced him at Battle of the Brickyard as well too, uh, so that he came out for his one-off weekend and uh and put his uh tony cart on the pole position uh oh, i did not get a lap time sorry about that um which was uh you know you knew he was going to be fast um and he was did a 113.879 so a very fast lap for him uh nearly just as quick as the heavy uh, quick time in qualifying so uh he was able to outpace eric fagan mark Steele, ryan cassidy and jeff shaw for the fast five. 
Yeah, Fagan came back and uh, scored the the opening couple of heat races. Mark Steele uh, was able to to snag snag one as well. So those those two drivers, David, with their performances in the heats. Again, just the straight heats here, not the A, you know, not the ABCD we saw in the larger categories. So these guys kind of faced off each other as the rest of the of the fields did. Uh, three times in a row, uh, once on Friday, twice on Saturday, uh, and then of course the main event on Sunday. So Fagan and Steele on the front row, they essentially they, they essentially pulled away, David, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I had to go back and watch the videos again. You and I were both driving ourselves at this point. Yeah, I had a better view than you did. You uh, did, yeah, 100. <laughs> you did. It was, yeah. I mean, for a while it was a three driver runaway. Shaw was sitting there with Fagan and Steele. Eventually, Shaw just kind of lost the draft. Very similar to what happened to uh, to Warren and Garrison in that senior light heat race. So it was basically a two-driver fight uh, for the victory of Fagan and Steele. We kind of all figured that's what it was going to be. Uh, ended up being that way. And it was a very similar finish to what we saw in heavy as Fagan tried to make a move uh, very similar. Steele was able to pull off, uh, to, to pull away from the Monza corner with the lead and then had was able to win the drag race to the line as Mark Steele, the Canadian now living in Ohio, winning yeah. by 47 thousandths of a second. Fagan on the MGM finishing second, Shaw on the VLR third, uh, Todd Barrett on the arrow in the four spot, and Sean O'Shea on the eagle rounding out the top five. Uh, David Galonia uh, on a Burrell Arts uh, ends up being the hard charger. Started 42nd, very tail of the field, essentially came up to 15th. Uh, David had a really rough weekend. Uh, I watched him come in on the... Uh, uh, the loser cruiser after a big, big wreck uh, in the opening uh, race, just demoed the front of the go-kart. Um, and then I think he had, an, I think he had another off as well. Uh, got, mm -hmm. got shook it off as well on the second master's. He got, I was, cause I actually watched that cause I didn't run the second master's heat to focus on legends. He got taken out, I think coming out of turn number uh, one or turn, yeah, turn number one between one and two, he got taken out to the right side there. So for him, it just was, Hey, coming forward. And, and he blew by me. Like I was standing still, I was able to catch, Pulled him a little bit, but he was significantly faster than me and kind of pulled away to the next group. Uh, so good for him to get his way up into 15th. But let's talk Let's talk about the, our head-to-head -head battle. It was a hashtag beat Rob Howden. You, uh, you, you smoked me pretty soundly, David. Overall, you got to be happy just with you know the, the, the performance. I know you didn't like the way the result rolled out because, dude, you were, you were P4, man. You were looking at a podium finish. Well, yeah, I was wondering if you were going to mention that with the uh, the asterisks there on fourth and fifth there. Yeah, let's let's. I was going to go there. Then you can well, go you you that. you report it. I can't report it. <laughs> I was true. part of it. That's true. That's true. So so the battle at the at the end. And again, I, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I, I've just seen video and of course I'm talking to everybody that happened. So uh, David, of course, running P four, doing a great job there in, in that next group, uh, battling with Chris Jamara and who was behind Chris. Was it well, was it Barron? It's Barron so right? I, I was right. So it was it was me and Chris running down Todd Barron, who was sitting fourth. Uh, okay. We were able we were able to run him down, uh, get by him. I believe both both myself and Chris were able to get by him. So that set up uh, the basically the last two lap battle. Yeah. So penult it was a penultimate lap. Essentially, Jamara makes the move to the inside over in turn number five. Um, kind of a slider on Dave and Cole. Cole ends up off in the grass, brings it back on. He drops down a couple positions. Um, in the end, they penalized. First, they penalized Jamar, I think, one spot down to fifth. So he's still on the podium. And then post-race, they moved him behind you, I believe, for the contact between you and him, right? Where did you, where did you end up finishing, sixth or seventh? 
I yeah, I crossed the line in the eighth position. Uh, Sean O'Shea and Ian McIntyre, uh, they were able to get by me on the last lap. My tires just felt like crap. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've, I my body felt like crap too because I was completely <laughs> exhausted. Uh, pizza, burger, and rum diet did not last the full sixteen laps. That is so, funny. That is um, yeah, so ended up crossing the line at eighth. Uh, the penalty for uh, Chris dropped him behind me. Uh, so that moved Sean O'Shea up into the fifth spot on the podium. Ian McIntyre, six, of course, Todd Barron in the fourth position. Yeah, and you end up with a strong seventh seventh place overall, David. You you were uh, you weren't in that top five from the get, which I think is kind of crucial. You and I don't I qualify, race a lot. I qualified twenty second. There you go. You you and I don't race a lot, right? So we when we get in there, we're, we're like I said, same thing happened with me last year at this race when I think my fastest lap was lap twelve of the sixteen lap main event. Same thing happened to the Supernats. My fastest lap at the Supernats was lap 12 of, of 20 in the main event. Like, we just keep getting faster. And you did that working with you and Jeffrey at CRG Nordam and LSR Motorsports. You were able to get faster and faster. And like you said, you qualified outside the top 20, and you just kept moving forward, and they kept dialing in the chassis. You guys had that FS4 really dialed in in the end. And Like I said, you, you, know, you were in the position and had the pace to run top five. If there was a better driver in it, it would have won. I can tell you that without a doubt. Um, we were able to put the fourth quickest lap in the main event. So uh, the only quickest drivers were Mark Steele, Eric Fagan, and Jeff Shaw. So um, felt pretty good. I did get a lot of push from Chris Jamera to uh, to be able to get that fast lap uh, on lap 12. But uh, yeah, it uh, that thing was rolling. You know, just making little changes here and there, not making... Uh, two drastic changes, keeping focus on on what the tires were doing. I think that's what it boiled down to, you know, just making those little bits of changes. You don't have to throw the whole kitchen sink at it. Um, and and Ewan knows his product, you know. That's yeah. that's what it boils down to. You know, Marshall Martin and uh, Ryan Sprowski and, and Happy, they've done a lot of changes to the chassis over this year uh, with the way it's actually welded and designed. So they they've to kind of encompass the 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 tire that they do run at cup carts north america so it's um it's a winning cart there's no doubt about it we'll talk a little bit later about a uh, another podium finish for a crg driver as well so uh yeah it definitely has the ability to be uh up front every weekend yeah we in the in the happy hour uh i didn't make the split and go to the, the fast group i went a slow group and i did not have a good qualifying run i just did not do well at it at all so i qualified kind of deeper in the field i think 32nd or 33rd or something like that uh ran my way up to 23rd i think or 20 yeah 23rd or 24th in the first heat race but then elected to, to skip the mat the second master's heat race to focus on legends because like david i was kind of running out of gas physically as well i wanted to make sure that i was going to be good in my primary category uh, but then, then, David, I came back and I started dead last, uh, 49th or 48th in the third heat race. And that was about the most fun I've had in a long time because um, I was able to power my way forward big time as well. I think I passed 23 or 24 carts on the way back up from from from, from 48th, which was flipping awesome. I had, such a, <laughs> I had such a good time rolling my way back forward. I rolled off 31st off the grid, uh, kind of trying to stay out of trouble a little bit. But I moved forward big time. I, I uh you know, there was obviously some attrition, but I worked my way into the top uh, 20, was 19th, closed over the last couple laps, closed quickly up with the driver at 18th, but just couldn't find a way by. So while you were up there battling your way for a podium, I was trying to scrap my way into the top uh, 20, top 15. All told, in the end, I was pretty happy having missed a race coming home P19. So it was it was a, it was a fun time in Masters. I, I, w- I wasn't sure that I was going to run it uh, coming into Sunday, 
because I knew I'd be tired after Legends, but I felt good in Legends. And uh, with a four-hour break between categories, I got a chance to do 16 more laps, which was fun. Yeah, that 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 break helps. You know, that's that, you know, we talked about that. There was an hour between each of our sessions, so uh, it made it helped that side of things because you weren't rushing to get changes done. And but uh, yeah, there's no for for you. I think next year is a focus on legends for sure. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Uh, uh. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of legends, uh, forty drivers in total, the biggest class they've had in legends. Todd Barron and Ryan Cassidy have been the pre- previous winners. Um, Ryan Cassidy is just flat out impressive this guy he's is a machine you know, he, and he's just you know pe- people you know ask about ryan maybe are new to new to the sport right i'm saying that this is the guy that when i first came into the sport in the mid 90s would read like wk's world karting magazine you flip it over and, and it'd be ryan and his brother winning 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 like factory coyote drivers right these guys are legends not only do they run legends but they're flipping legends in our sport so to, to, to not just to be able to run near ryan to me is a big thing uh, coming out of the gate, though, Tim Hannon from Oakland Valley Raceway Park was the fastest driver. Tim had a lot of speed throughout the entire weekend. A 114.271, he qualifies on the pole. Cassidy in second, uh, not surprising. Todd Barron, the Canadian Steve Lyons, who I've known for many years, in fourth. And uh, local driver, Doug Cook, uh, uh, in, in P5, he got things underway. But David Cassidy kind of just kind of took control of things and won all three heat races. Yeah, the the three wins in the heats were were pretty uh, pretty uh, solid wins. Uh, was I, I I'm trying to remember. I kept watching you, so I really really wasn't watching up front. Uh, <laughs> that's not a dig. Sorry. Uh, it's okay, <laughs> dude. I can live it's, with it. I'm thinking it's a dig, but it's not. It's not. Uh, but yeah, just Cassidy. You know, it kind of. You know, we thought you know Baron was going to be the challenger. Obviously, Hannon qualifying on on the pole was was a new challenger. But uh, you know, Cassidy just got, it was just a machine. I mean, really, what is what was what it was? Uh, just kept himself up front, and anytime somebody got close, just dug a little bit more. And uh, but there was a lot of guys that were kept trying to move into the second spot too. So that was part of the issues as well. Um, so his three heat wins put him at the pole position with Lions starting on the outside of the front row. Uh, Jed, uh, James Perkins in third, Tim Hannon fourth, and then MacArthur in the fifth spot. Yeah, Jamie MacArthur, who was a top five runner last year as well. Um, you can talk a little bit about kind of when when the race yeah. rolled. I, I did I did watch a bit of it just to, to just to see. I had to have a look at my turn one wreck uh, to see to see how it yeah. kind of played out. Uh, but yeah, there, there was a good group up front with with Cassidy. MacArthur Perkins, you know, Jeff, Jeff Scott got a good start too. He started in front of me uh, in, I think ninth uh, and he got a really good jump and, and Scott, I think turned the fast lap of the race as well. He was, he Je- Jeff was really good. Uh, once kind of things shook down, he was able to get out of the chaos of the opening couple of corners and, and lock his way into a, into a four battle. You, you know, I kind of, I kind of re it, it, it kind of reminded me of cadet racing. Because there was the one driver that everybody was trying to beat, but nobody would work together to beat him. Yeah. You had a lot of guys that were trying. I think Perkins was the only driver to take the lead from Cassidy, and the Cassidy came right back and took the spot because he knew he wanted to be out front, and that's where he wanted to be. Yeah. And and you had MacArthur racing for for the spot. You had Perkins. You had um, Hannon in there, too. Uh, Eli Yanko was, was in there along with Todd Barron. Uh, Yanko and Baron got together, so that took them out of out of contention. So it kind of allowed uh, allowed it to be just MacArthur and Perkins that were right there behind Cassidy. But the man was just you know on rails. Um, 
continued to get quicker and quicker as the race went on, ran his quickest lap on lap 14. There you go. And essentially, you know, that was, that was kind of the difference because he was not challenged in the final two laps, uh, driving away to a four tenths margin of victory for his second straight win at the cup cards, North America grand nationals. Yeah. MacArthur and Perkins had a good run. Remember James Perkins on the podium last year. I believe he hooked up with Eli Yanko last year to try to catch up to cast. He wasn't able to get it done mm-hmm. there. He was battling with MacArthur this year. MacArthur got a penalty last year for contact with James Insco on, I think the final lap. So that moved him off the podium and actually pushed me up onto the podium. Uh, so those two drivers battled together. And then Jeff Scott was right there. As we said, behind the front running quartet, Tim Hannon coming home to cap off the, uh, the podium. Uh, what a day for Tim Hannon because, you know, we found that I didn't find this out to the very start of the main event. Literally gets there on Sunday morning, right? And was doing something with the generator and it had a blow out of the generator that lit him on fire. You heard about that, right? Yeah, I did not know till uh, till yesterday. Incredible, about that. right? Literally lit, his, lit everything on fire. He's got he was burns on his, ar- on his arms, on his ankles. So kudos to the people that were around him that came quickly to help him out. So Tim, after that, bouncing back uh, and jumping behind the wheel and, and, and coming home. P5, Canadian Ronald Henry with the hard charger, I believe, up 11 spots from 29th to 18th. There was another driver, I think, that had a pretty good run forward as well. I'm not sure the race hero got it nailed uh, perfectly. Um, Donald Harrington Donald had Harrington. 11, yeah, yeah, had I think 11 he, positions as well. He actually started further back okay. than that because he and I were talking about that. I think he figures he's the, the hard charger. But regardless, we got their names out there. Um yeah, you know, obviously this was my opportunity to try to see what I could do to get back on the podium like I did last year. Everything, like I said in my Facebook post, everything changed for me in qualifying when the driver in front of me uh, mistook the white flag for the checkered flag. And as we're, as we're starting our flyer lap number four, decides he'll go you know, half power, puts his hand in the air through one, two, three, and four. <laughs> and I got caught behind him. I was essentially done at that point. So instead of qualifying in the top 10, you know, I, you know, I was P one in, in practice three with the draft. I ended up qualifying 18th. So that kind of set everything up for me. 18th, the 14th, 14th, I think ninth in heat two, I got 10th in heat three. And then uh, I started 11th, David, in the, in the main event, tried to give everybody room coming down into turn number, uh, into turn number one or t- yeah, turn number two after the start. And someone came across from, from uh, right to left and just drilled me. Um, and I ended up on the left side of the curbing in turn number two in the grass. So I, I don't know what happened. That, that they actually didn't have the camera on it. I went back to look on the video. I don't. I don't. I haven't seen anybody with. Yeah, and somebody forgot to turn a GoPro on too. Yeah, my GoPro <laughs> didn't get turned on. Yeah, we won't uh, throw Taryn Odom under the bus too much for that. Who? Who? Uh, I don't know who you're talking about. Um, Taryn, what? I could have did it myself too, right? Let's. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you're a rookie driver. You don't you don't remember to turn that stuff on. That's it. Uh, yeah, watching from from the uh, the pit lane there. Yeah, you got you got some air. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw the top of your helmet basically. Oh, there you go. Okay, well, that's uh, good. It was a it was a pretty high sh- shunt that you uh, you received. Um, luckily, you kept it straight instead of getting spun around and having the whole field kind of pile into you. So that was good. Um, but yeah, it dropped you back. Um, kind of ruined your momentum because um, I don't think anybody else really got caught up in no. it. I know a couple people averted you or or somebody else, but uh, everybody kept going. And you know, like you said, Jeff Scott made up a couple of positions on it as well. Um, 
but yeah, from there you kind of just put your head down and, and went forward and it was, it was a pretty good drive. I don't, I don't know if you would necessarily would have had the pace to, to, to be in the, in the podium fight, but if you would have been there at the start, I think it sure certainly would have helped. Yeah. I, I think I would have had a podium. I think I had, a, 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 it was good. The cart was really good. We made an axle change uh, for Sunday morning that really settled the cart down. And I was, it was, it was a lot easier to drive. Uh, for me, at least on on Sunday, and I thought I think I probably I think I could have been in the in the fight once again, at least for sixth, seventh kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. I know that I know I ended up tenth, but literally there was the one run where we got a huge run on the guy who was having who had trouble coming through three and four, and I and I wrote about this. Uh, so he gets a guy to come to the inside of him down to five. He's kind of pinching him down a little bit. I get a full run and almost drive all the way by him before even the turn in to turn five. Of course, he doesn't. I don't think he's there. He's looking at the guy beside him on the left. Just turned into me. Uh, his right front gets a, in front of my left rear. I'm up in the air. I end up coming down hard, hard sideways into who I find out later on with Chuck Maitland, who I apologize profusely to because I just like I, I was a I was a passenger at that point. I was in the air. I'm in the grass, full throttle. My brake foot, my left foot is caught behind the brake pedal. When I came back down, my foot gets caught behind the brake pedal. I'm across the grass over to the double right handers. Thankfully, when I came over back on the track, it jarred my foot loose. I kept the throttle in it. I think I lost one or two spots and I was back to work. So it was, there was a lot of action. Let's put it that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We were there. You were in a lot of action all weekend long. It was fun. I I finished fifth last year and 10th this year at a 40. I'm super, super happy. Um, You know, we came out of the gate a lot stronger than we did last year, David. Both you and I did that. You know, you've, you've had, trouble in your races outside the top 20 in all your events this one you finally were able to show what you're able to do behind the wheel that's why i'm so proud of what you're able to do but uh yeah in the end we in the end we had a great time again and and already you know looking forward to coming back next year i don't know man i might retire on that performance we'll see that's it (laughs) hang it up well, I did. I did hashtag beat Rob Howden. So it, you, it, you listen, you, you hashtag kicked Rob Howden's ass. So yeah, yeah. Was, uh, you, you've got the belt on that one now. I mean, uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to wait six years to race you in Legends. So. <laughs> when I'm 62 years old. <laughs> hey, there's hey, you got guys like Jim Fry finishing two spots behind you. Uh, he's a tad older than you. Shout out to t- shout out to Jim Fry. Wow, was he good? Was he impressive on the weekend? You're right. He was right there the whole time. Well done for him. Yep. Uh, let's go to Junior to cap off this segment here. 77 entries. Former winners include Stefano Lucente, Elijah Skaggs, Alexander Searle, Logan Adams, Brent Cruz, James Overbeck, Eli Warren. Big names for sure. Uh, but, David, let's talk about qualified because uh, a different chassis up front. Yeah, Merlin Nation up front. Uh, Brady Chad yeah. was able to put down a quick time of 113.384 to lead the way ahead of the Brill Art of Isaac Malcutt, last year's sportsman winner. Uh, Jackson Young in third, Jordan DeLeo, the Canadian in fourth, and Shane Smith rounding out the Fast Five. So with 77 entries, this group was broken up into the A, B, C, D heat format. Uh, Shad and Wakefield... Uh, Christopher Wakefield coming the only Sodi cart in the in the whole event, yeah. uh, able to win the opening round of heat races. Isaac Malka and and uh, Cade Yager in the second heat race as victors, and then Yager and DeLeo picking up uh, victories in the heat three round. That put uh, Cade Yager on the Coyote, I believe. Correct? Yep. I think he was under your tent yeah, yep. uh, alongside Wakefield. 
uh, for the front row of the main event, DeLeo and Chad in the second row, and then Isaac Malcutt starting from P5. So here's where it gets interesting, David, because you know there, there, there was some aggressive racing on the weekend, some, you know, not just aggressive racing, but drivers who make mistakes that collect other drivers. There was a couple of red flags in this one, one on lap number three, which halted the action. They got going again. And then the final one came out essentially right at, as they were coming to the white flag. So this is where kind of things shook up in this particular category. Yeah, it was setting up to be what was going to be a great three-way battle. Um, you had Isaac Malcutt in the lead ahead of Wakefield, who was kind of just sitting there buying his time. And then Jackson Wolney, who came up from 23rd uh, to be sitting there in third spot, right on the bumper of the top two drivers uh, as they took the white flag. So. Uh, the race cut short by, I believe, two laps because of the first opening red flag. So lap third, uh, lap, yeah, I'm trying to think now. Or so, did, they just revert, did they just revert back to lap number 13? I think they were, yeah, they were, tr no, they're, uh, I think they're on lap 14. So maybe it was cut one lap. That's okay. what I was, I was trying to remember. Okay. Because so cause as they, so the leaders took the white flag. As they made their way, I think towards turn five, that's when the red flag came out and they threw red and checkered and essentially ending the race at that point. So we were expecting to see a great little battle between those three drivers. Unfortunately, yep. it didn't happen. Then they reverted back to the last completed lap, which had Malka in the lead ahead of Wakefield and Wolney, uh, Jordan DeLeo in the fourth spot and Cade Yeager in the fifth spot. So unfortunately, the race ended in the red. Um, I believe all drivers were able to get up and walk away from all the incidents. I, I think this was right before the master's race. So kind of race mode, hard to, uh, to focus on what was going on racetrack sure. as yeah, well yeah, too. 100%. Uh, so, um, but as, as far as I know, I think during all the red flags, I think everybody was able to walk away. So, yeah. Uh, Malkin ends up coming home with the victory, uh, when they, when they reset uh, that, uh, running for, for, uh, steel motorsports, he gets the win Wakefield second, Wolney third, DeLeo and Jaeger, as David said, capping off the top five, uh, hard charger, Liam plate up 32 spots, 56 to 24th, but it would be worth mentioning David that, uh, Jackson Wolney up 20 to get into the battle for the race win. Yeah. Just, that's a great drive. I, 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 I was talking, I asked him before, I think his main event I was like, how, how's it going? And they just, you know, shook his head. just like, it wasn't going good, but uh, <laughs> they obviously found some speed, uh, took advantage of, of probably what was going on in the main event and uh, used his experience to put himself up front. When we get back after this break, folks, we'll get uh, capping off with the race report brought to you by Comet Card Sales. We'll wrap things up with Sportsman, Cadet, and Kid Card. Are you ready to go from carts to cars? Since 1975, the Skip Barber Racing School has taken great drivers and made them champions. Today, we're proud to welcome the next generation of winners. Make the transition from carts to cars with the Skip Barber Formula Race Series. You'll compete at the most iconic tracks in America. Race weekends include your very own equalized Formula 4 race car, a professional crew, expert instruction, video and data analysis, hospitality, and more. This is the place to fulfill your dream of becoming a champion. Sign up today by calling 866-932-1949 or visit us at skipbarber.com. Motor mounts. They keep your engine attached to your chassis, right? The answer is, they're much more important than that. 
Your motor mount is critical in transferring 100% of the power from your engine through to your tires and the racetrack. You need this to get on the podium each and every time you race. Odenthal Racing Products is here for you, providing the best motor mounts on the karting market today. All designed to make sure you're using all the horsepower you pay for. Odenthal Racing Products is a family-owned and operated business with decades of karting experience in providing products with unmatched quality and value for our racing community. The Pro Series mount for two cycle engines, which is available in zero, five, and eight degree inclinations, provides a rigid structure to help keep vibration to a minimum without adding too much weight to your setup. The four cycle easy set system is one of the most popular mounts for the Briggs & Stratton 206 power plant. Multiple mounting holes provide the most adjustability depending on your chassis and seat placement. To ensure a tight fit to your chassis, our ORP wedge clamps get the job done. And they feature a number of design updates to provide a lower profile and lighter weight. The clamps are available from 28mm to 32mm in both standard and Euro style sizes. And now, Odenthal has also revolutionized the karting industry with its new EasyGP camera mounting system. Designed to mount anywhere on your chassis with one or two cameras, the ORP EasyGP camera mount is your solution to capture that onboard winning moment. Head to OdenthalRacing.com and find a dealer near you. Odenthal Racing Products, proudly made in the USA. The 2019 marked a new era for the Cartlift brand. The company that Tim Coyne owned and operated since 2003, one with a long tradition of quality products for the karting industry, was purchased by Ted Fashing and his business, Stockholm Karting Center, in October of 2019. Stockholm Karting Center Inc. has added the Cartlift brand to their very successful Triple T Race Products brand that has been fabricating parts for the drag racing industry for the past 25 years. We're small enough where the owner answers the phone and every call is important to us, but we're large enough to get the job done. We pride ourselves on the quality and personal customer service that we provide on the phone or at the track. Cartlift stands, as you know, can be found at racetracks all over the country. If you race alone or if you're a parent with a cadet or junior driver, let our one-man winch lift make your race days easier. Position the hooks under the rear bumper Push the button and your cart is raised into position and you're ready to go. We have traditional cart stands, single upright storage stands, cart lift stackers for storing two carts at once, tire changers, and skid plate kits. Cart lift stands are available at the finest cart shops around the country or you can order online at cartlift.com. For more information, give us a call at 877-777-8020. That's 877-777. 777-8020. Get a cart lift and leave your crew at home. Welcome back to our EKN debrief of the big one, the Cup Carts North America Grand National 7 from Newcastle Motorsports Park. Almost 500 drivers taking qualifying entries. Uh, Common Cart Sales Race Report rolling through here right now. We'll cap things off with three more categories, Sportsman, Cadet, and Kid Cart. Let's go Sportsman first. 34 entries on the weekend. Uh, former winners include Aries and Grimm, Caden Fretwell, Logan Adams, Ben Mayer, Keelan Harvick, and of course, Isaac Malkit last year, now a back-to-back -back winner. Uh, Dave Carter, Barkas coming out of the gate with a fast time of 
to get things underway. It was him as the fast driver in qualifying, but sitting there second with uh, in the in the time session was Holden Harder. AJ Stoner in third, Alex Hayes in fourth, Tyrone Kemper Jr. in fifth. But it was Harder that was the story uh, through the heat races as he was able to grab all three heat race wins uh, for this category. That essentially put him on the pole position for the main event, uh, putting Grady Chronic in the second spot. Uh, Barkis slipped to third for the starting grid of the main event with, with Stoner fourth and Lawton Mole in the fifth spot. They're going to be late and probably late in mall. Late in mall, sorry. Late in mall. Uh, so let's talk about the race a little bit. Not surprising. A lot of early shuffling back and forth. Everybody kind of gained, you know, gained in their positions. But uh, you know, all you had to do was be on the sideline and hear Holden Harder. They talked about him throughout the entire uh, race, David. He was up front. And, and I, did he did he get to the top? Did he get to the, the lead early? And hold on. Uh, led the opening lap, but it was uh, Barkis that took over the lead for a couple laps early on. And then Harder returned back to the point, And essentially, it was just him leading the way the re- remainder of the race. Chronic uh, moved up into the second spot, and they essentially ran one, two. Uh, no moves or any kind of action for position as they uh, they were just running very similar lap times. And nobody was able, Chronic uh, was not able to make a move. Uh, that allowed Harder on the Nitro cart to score the victory by three-tenths of a second over Chronic in the Cart Republic. Yeah, a couple of Nitros on the podium. Ezekiel Haight on there as well, P3. We talked about Tyrone Kemper Jr. on the Charles Leclerc. He ends up in fourth. And uh, Carter Barkas, who qualified on the pole during that, that early time run, held on, was there for P5 on the podium in the Parallel. Hard charger and sportsman Ethan Leroy up 18 spots, started 34th and went to 16th. A uh, new category for this year was cadet. 28 drivers as they split the cadet and sportsmen based on uh, their ages. Uh, Carter Lipka, who had run at Newcastle Motorsports Park at the Race Rotax U.S. Trophy Final uh, in mid-September, came out of the gate quickly. David, 115.194, fast driver in qualifying. Aston Wyatt, Cooper Mall, R.J. Brown, and Caden Williams capped off the fast five in that qualifying session. But Lipka was the man in, in the heat races, bagging a couple of them to, to qualify uh, P2. Yes, race. he yeah he was able to uh, to win the first and third heat races while Aston Wyatt picked up the second heat race win, and then based on the way they uh, they the results short shorted sorted out uh, during the three heat races, Wyatt earned the pole position for the main event with Lipka on the outside of the front row, Daniel Dragunov in the third spot ahead of Caden Williams, and then uh, R.J. Brown starting from the fifth position. <clears throat> excuse me at the top at the start of the main event Lipka actually fell back to seventh on the opening lap but was able to drive his way back up into second uh with he and Wyatt able to break away by the time they got to lap seven uh so it was essentially a two driver fight uh for the victory uh and uh Lipka was just a little bit better than Wyatt uh towards the end was able to take the lead and then edge his way to the the checkered flag by three tenths of a second over Wyatt to earn himself the inaugural victory in the cadet division. Yeah, it'll go down the record books. Dragunov, who uh, qualified uh, or was was third after the the heat races, finished third on the race. Uh, Dominic Gladys of the Nitro Kart finishing in fourth. And David, in the end, Austin Taylor on the Kart Republic would get the fifth position, although it was actually Lisa Eddy who got P5 on the racetrack. Yeah, penalty for contact dropped her down to P8, so that allowed uh, Austin Taylor to move up to the podium on the fifth position.
Not a big hard charger in this one here. Miles Wilson started 20th, went up five spots into the 15th position. 28 drivers in total, as we said, in Cadet. And let's wrap off uh, wrap up this race report brought to you by Comet Cart Sales with Kid Cart. They run a, sh- a shorter uh, track at the uh, at Newcastle Motorsports Park for the Cup Carts North America Grand Nationals. 12 drivers in total. Former winners Brady Shad, Jacob Scheibel, Sawyer, Sawyer Chambers, Summer Rossiter, Camden Clay, and Parker Stewart. Uh, one of the regional champions, David, came out of the gate super strong, uh, and that was Spencer Height. He's qualified on the pole with a 45.223. Yeah, one of our champions profiles that we did for the uh, divisional champions, uh, Spencer Height, setting fast time and qualifying, going on to winning all three heat races. So kept him on the front row and the pole position for the main event alongside uh, Blazy Hendry, uh, along with uh, Jackson Reinholtz, uh, Grant Heckman, and uh, the other Hendry. Sorry, I forgot to uh, to write the first name on that. Uh Reed Henry. There you go. Uh, so that Blaze, was your, uh, your yep. That was your top five for the grid. Uh, it was Blaze that took the we took the lead at the start of the main event, and that was the winning move uh, as he led all sixteen laps for the main event victory, uh, stretching out to a four second advantage wow. by the checkered flag. Yeah, Spencer Height coming home in second spot. Reinholtz, Heckman, and Zeb Turner. Uh, rounding out the uh, Grant, he- Grant Grant Heckman in fourth and Zeb Turner in fifth, as you said, uh, Henry leading wire to wire. Riggins Barnacle was the hard charger, started 12th and was able to get himself into the top 10, finishing in the ninth position. Folks, we're going to wrap things up here in this edition of the EKN Debrief, and we're uh, back after this quick break. We'll wrap it all up. We'll look at the Constructors' Championship, and we'll also have a look at the EKN Trackside Live Race Calendar. It's a multi-time world champion, and it's a Supercarts USA Super Nationals winner. It is Sodicart. And starting in 2023, the Sodi brand has found a new home here in the U.S. Sodi Racing USA is the new exclusive importer of the Sodicart chassis line under the karting distribution banner, led by industry veteran Terry Germanovich. The French manufacturer Sodicart is a leader within the karting industry, offering a wide range of products and services. The Sodi Racing chassis line offers product in classes from Mini to KZ, all based on years of development and championship seasons around the world. Sodi Racing USA has already begun establishing its dealer network, working with the Karting Collective on the West Coast, and recently signing PK Sport to serve as a dealer and the official race team on the East Coast. Visit Sodi-Racing-USA.com to learn more about the Sodi Kart chassis line or call 954-634-5111 to become part of the Sodi Racing USA network today. Sodi Kart, the world leader in the karting industry. It all started in my parents' garage. That's the foundation for MPG Motorsports, which grew from a small home garage in Indiana into one of the top race teams and kart shops in the industry. A true passion for motorsports runs deep in the DNA of MPG, which has developed strong connections within karting. Now based at the Whiteland Raceway Park in central Indiana, MPG Motorsports offers a wide range of opportunities through its race team while providing a full-service kart shop as an official dealer for the Kart Republic brand. 
The MPG Motorsports race team is led by ownership partner and karting champion Chase Jones and provides full trackside service and driver development. Be part of the MPG program at the USPKS, Stars Championship Series, and Route 66 Sprint Series events with arrive and drive opportunities available at those programs, as well as at the Whiteland Club races this season. A new 3,500 square foot shop is now open at the Whiteland Raceway Park in Whiteland, Indiana, and is the new home of MPG Motorsports. This new headquarters will provide local and regional racers with a full service race shop that provides a wide range of parts and supplies to racers, including the full chassis line of the Kart Republic brand. For more, head to mpg-motorsports.com and follow us on social media. Let MPG Motorsports take your motorsports career in the direction of your choice. Made in the USA. It's not just a statement, it's the mission at Factory Carts of America. Led by four-time Supernats champion Billy Musgrave, Factory Carts manufactures their frames completely in-house at the Riverside, California facility. Built and designed from the ground up specifically for the American karting market, Factory Carts brings new innovations and solutions that are long overdue. Factory Carts bring together the highest quality materials to produce a high-performance, long-lasting cart that has been designed and perfected from three years of development, with a focus for a big push across North America in 2023. No other karting manufacturer stands behind its product like Factory Carts does, providing a two-year warranty on all their frames. Do you remember when American-made meant innovative, original, stronger, faster, and just plain better? Well, American-made is back. Contact Factory Carts today to join the American-made movement. Learn more by visiting factorycarts.com or email Billy anytime at info at factorycarts.com. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief, episode number 119. It's myself, Rob Howard, and David Cole wrapping up our show uh, as we uh, report on the CKNA Grand National 7 from Newcastle Motorsports Park, which took place on the weekend that straddled the end of September and the start of October. David, let's uh, let's jump into the, a bit a little bit a bit of a, uh, a wrap up here because one of the interesting things was a lot of discussion we had. Uh, first and foremost, a lot of drivers, you know, try to hold the outside. You were side. Somebody made a move to the inside. Everybody was trying to hold the outside. I know I tried it a couple times. I was on the inside a couple times. It was it's uh, the nature of the of the corner speed and the moves that are made. A lot of discussion about racecraft. Well, I think I think a good point to to bring up is is partly it's it's the racetrack and it's the tire the tire has a lot of grip in it yeah so you can i mean i i was i think they were talking about how the senior light drivers are are nearly flat out throughout the entire racetrack wow and so when you're doing that there and the way the racetrack's laid out there's not a lot of room for hard braking to get a pass done you know i think you know in our category at least for me there were two spots maybe three that I knew, you know, you had the crisscross or, or a breaking zone that you were able to set up a better high percentage maneuver rather than just trying to throw it in on somebody. Yeah, and, exactly that. Um, so I think, I think that has a lot to do with it because if we were at a smaller racetrack that had more breaking zones and, and maybe on a harder tire, we, there, you know, we'd have a, a different kind of viewpoint of this and, and it would help, maybe spread out the field a little more, but because yeah, of the so. way the conditions that we're in with the racetrack, the tires, 
the low horsepower of the engines and and how good everybody has you know is competing we get big massive fields so uh and lead groups and and it's so tight and it's so difficult to pass so i think that we just got to keep reminding ourselves of that you know um well yeah Dave. look just you think about this racetrack uh the the layout we use for newcastle just think about the up to scoreboard so from the start of the from the start of the field to scoreboard majority of the field is probably lifting once or twice right you're probably lifting in five and you're lifting in in green green mm-hmm. corner that's about it to get to, to before you get to the scoreboard right because right. it's just so and, and it's all like you said it's more all about you know getting better runs on guys uh you know getting 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 a run like heading over to cell tower you get if they're if you're better than them through 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 five six seven you can make the move to the inside there but again they're going to be able to try to hang on the outside so i think so many different levels as you talked about tire number one and layout number two yeah and then of course you got to look at field size you know everybody's talking about how rough everything was and and all of the the red flags that occurred well when we start putting 50 carts on a racetrack the percentage of uh bigger incidents starts to go up you know, if you're only racing with 20 carts, you have more room and there's not as many carts that are going to be coming through if a wreck were to happen at the front of the field. Yeah. Well, if you have a field of 50 and a wreck happens in, in the second row or third row, you have 40 other carts that have got to go through that area. And again, we're not racing on car tracks where you have 30, 40, 50, 60 feet to move. You have not even 10, not even five feet to move, or you have to go off racetrack or some people aren't even <laughs> looking ahead and just run into it for no reason. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so that again, that, that deals with the experience of the, of the field as well too. So again, a lot of factors, you know, to me, I, you know, looking at it, um, I think the senior medium race was a little bit chaotic. Um, I think that might've been the only one, I think for the majority of it, I think the rest of it's just racing. I agree. Um, I agree with you. you. Know, I think, you know, my incident was racing. It's, you know, it's part of it, you know, um, other incidents that happen, you know, the people are just spinning out, you have nowhere to go and boom, you're, you're hitting and and you're destroying a whole, your whole chassis. Um, yeah, there, there, there's some, some drivers that didn't make smart moves or some drivers that, you know, um, were driving over their head. It happens. You're going to have that. And especially when you have a, a a paddock of over 420 drivers, you're going to get that. There's a there's a wide spectrum of experience and skill. Very it's, wide. This is this is this is called, this is Operation Grassroots. This is club yeah. racing. This is this is this is the the, the pure level of the sport where, where some guys are getting in. They're just learning. They're they, even if they've been for a couple of years, they can make minor mistakes here and there. But there's always going to be a spread in terms of pace, so it can happen. Now, but, you know, again, people try to hold the outside because you could you could you, you roll into a corner, guys coming inside. Yeah, if I roll the outside, I'll have the inside for the next line, right? And that happened. Quite a bit. There was also drivers talking a bit about about adding a pushback bumper. David, what are your thoughts on pushback? Yeah, again, I only think that helps with with starts. I, I mean, to be you. honest, and yeah. looking at, at the majority of the starts we had, they were really good. I mean, obviously, you're yeah. going to have the, the incidents like you were in, where a driver, it's almost like it it becomes three wide because you're. You, a driver might drop a wheel. And so to the two of you go to the inside of that driver. Well, that in that driver starts moving over the, uh, the middle driver moves over and then boom, you're, you're hit. That's it. I yeah. think the, for the, chain majority, reaction. the chain, the chain reaction. reaction, Yeah, the majority yeah. of the starts, I'd probably say 90% of the starts that I saw uh, were clean Agreed. and we're in yeah. good. And, yeah. and that's the reason we have the pushback bumper. 
Um, you know, I know in our category, some of the, we had some of the really slow starts. And I think that helps because obviously the quicker you go in there, the harder it is to, to maintain your position, whether you be on the inside or the outside. Yep. So I think the slower the starts, the better. We got through turns one, two, and three really good. Four could be a little iffy because then you start going, okay, I need to go, I need to go. And then five is where kind of the chaos starts to ensue because you're trying to, to narrow down into uh, the racing groove and, and not be side by side anymore. So, um, overall, I think it works, it works, you know, and I think the pushback just adds to, to more chaos and, and more, um, it's just, I don't think it's needed, especially with, with the, the kind of like shifter racing. We don't, you know, I know they do it in Europe. FIA follows through with it. But you ask all the shifter drivers, they say, we don't need it because you guy drops a gear. Boom, you're you're in the back bumper uh, here. A, a guy drops a wheel. Boom, you're into his back bumper. Yeah, uh, and it's very close the, racing, the mom- right? because it's, you got to keep the momentum because yeah. this racing is all about momentum. I agree. That's exactly uh, right. you got to be uh, you got to be you got to carry that momentum in order to be quick. Let's talk about uh, track layout. Uh, they went back to that. The, the layout. Uh, I, I've actually driven this layout three times now. So you, you dro- drove a different one. Uh, were you in any discussions about potentially people asking for a track change? Well, just, just based on what Greg said in our face-to-face that we had before the the race weekend, he's looking at different track layouts. He's looking at maybe changing some things up. Um, I'm just wondering what it would be. Um, because again, talking about the racing, you know, the, the racetrack's pretty flat out. We, do we, do we make it longer? Uh, throw in the I-70 actually make in a breaking zone, another yeah. breaking zone. Um, it would yeah. also, listen, it would also, it would also change the gear a little bit. That's one thing people said, Hey, listen, we go all the way down to I-70. All of a sudden you're, do you run a taller gear you know, to get, to get the top speed you need to those, that to lose some of the, lose some of the infield. It would be interesting to see how that, because that would change probably the precision you have to be in the tighter stuff to be able to stay strong, be able, be able to still be fast. Right. Do do we run it backwards to to make yeah. it uh, exciting last three corners instead of drag racing to the line, um, or or just moving the start finish line to the original one? So you still have to go through what is now turn one would be the last here. corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know who knows? I think hopefully Greg will have the time because as he said in our face to face that he wants to drive it before he makes the decision. So we'll see. You know, hopefully he'll he'll get some time. You know, they got a couple of test drivers that are talking right now that uh, that could could help out with that if needed. But um, you know, I I'd, I'd love to see something change up. I as much as I like the layout that we run, um, I'd like to see again keep changing, uh, whether it be every year or every other year. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, so, Dave, what's to come in twenty twenty four for CKNA and the Grand Nationals eight? Uh, again. It, it, it's obviously a great opportunity for them to kind of launch things out, but I don't think they were quite ready to make it all the announcements they wanted. There was a lot going on as it was on the weekend as, as it is CK in itself. I don't know that we're going to have any major, you know, ma- major moves. Greg kind of told us that, you know, we've got four divisions, South, North, Northeast and Canada solidify that, keep growing what they have lock down the core, the core components of the program. And then we'll see what happens for grand nationals eight. Yeah, I, the only thing I can think of for Grand Nationals Eight is is track layout. Maybe I think the format for this year went well. You know, you got four rounds of practice on Thursday. You got your qualifying first heat race in on Friday. Two heat races on Saturday. 
And, you know, the main events and the LCQs on Sunday, I think the format worked out great. I think that was one of his big worries. Um, it was great. You know, I think it, I think yeah. it, 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 you know, gave people time to relax, enjoy themselves, watch some racing, buy some apparel, enjoy, like you said, grilling out, having a good time. Um, again, I think, I think that worked out well. So I, I think, you know, kind of just track layout might be the only change they have for, for, for Grand Nationals eight, maybe. Don't disagree with you. Yep. Let's look at the Constructors Championship, Dave. Five different brands winning the nine main events. Yeah. Coyote leading the way with four victories, as you said, swept all three senior categories and then picked up the Legends win. Uh, Burrell Art picking up two with Masters and Junior. Nitro Kart, Comcart, and MGM all with a victory on the weekend. All right, let's cap this edition of the EKN Debrief off with our regular capper. That is the EKN Trackside Live race calendar presented today by DID Chain. Powered by technology, DID racing chains have a, a worldwide reputation for superior quality and reliability. A rich racing tradition where race results speak for themselves DID pr uh, prides itself on engineering the most technologically advanced chains on the market to help you excel on and off the track. DID's SDH pin treatment creates an extremely hard chromium carbide layer on the pin surface that houses a soft inner core to absorb extreme shock loads. DID's 219 HTZ racing cart chain boasts this SDH pin technology, which leads to a longer chain life as well as excellent energy transmission to the wheels. Available in the gorgeous gold, the 219 HTZ is the ultimate racing cart chain. Pick up a DID chain at your local dealer today because when winning is the only thing that matters, go with DID. All right, David, uh, just a couple of races here left on the docket. One actually this coming weekend. In fact, you're going to be rolling uh, back in the air on, on Thursday, tomorrow, uh, October 5th to the 8th. They're going to cap things off with the United States Pro Kart Series, the Carolina Grand Prix back at Trackhouse Motorplex in Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, you went from a, an absolute fantastic battle in 206 racing for Briggs. Now it's time to rock things up USPKS style. Yeah, USPKS wrapping up its 11th season, uh, 11th time that they've, they've been to the Trackhouse Motorplex, the place where the United States Pro Kart Series launched back in 2013. So uh, excited to get back there to uh, Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, a number of the championships wrapped up already, or I just now starting to to get my Excel sheet working and running because of the way my laps does their points. It's a little bit crazy right now, so it's not as easy as it used to be. So uh, working on that, and we'll uh, we'll do our our outlap either today or tomorrow, yep. and uh, and get that up and running, and then uh, get a preview going tomorrow as well too. And and excited to wrap up the 2023 championship program. Then we cap it all off, folks. Our final uh, EKN trackside event of the 2023 season, the 26th running of the Supercarts USA Super Nationals this year out at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The date, October 8th, the 12th, moving forward into no uh, earlier in November uh, due to Formula One invading downtown Las Vegas, making things obviously very tough for anybody trying to put an event on uh, during the, the late part of the month. So yeah, November 8th to the 12th, will be trackside. Looking forward to Full coverage of this year's uh, Super National should be a barn burner for sure. David, two more events, the lockdown 2023. I may head down to the PRI show later just for a, a little ECAN run there. But otherwise, just two more racing events to cap off at least our trackside live program. 
Yeah, it's been a busy 2023 season. Hard to believe it's already coming to a near close. Yeah. Uh, again, we got October and November, and then December will be focusing on 2024. But yeah, it's a Super Nationals 26 back at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, Going to get great views and, and sights of the Air Force Base nearby. And, <laughs> the air show. and uh, yeah, a free air show, which will That's be it. awesome. Uh, yeah, excited to learn more about this year's event. Obviously, Supercars USA has been working hard to uh, to make that uh, another a memorable event. Looking forward to it, folks, uh, as we did coming into the Cup Cards North America Grand National 7. It was a tremendous weekend. David Cole and I both getting a chance to do double duty. He comes out on top of our battle. Uh, so shout out to David for a really pr- uh, tremendous performance throughout the entire week at Newcastle. And to all the race winners as well. And, of course, to Cup Cards North America. That staff put down a tremendous uh, display of both customer service and event promotion. Kudos to uh, Greg Jasperson and Steve Vermeer for a record-setting CKNA Grand Nationals. I'm sure they'll be looking at uh, another level in 2024. Stay tuned to ecardi We'll make sure that we can stay connected with the powers that be to tell, let you know on schedules for their North, South, Northeast, and Canadian series. And, of course, uh, the date of the uh, 2024 grand national event maybe. thank you so much for tuning in folks we appreciate it. david you got one more thing to add say maybe maybe we need to do can- canadian racing ckna canada races. Hey, listen i've already i'm waiting for gerald casing to drop that down i was going to go to goodwood this past year but didn't so uh i'd love that for us to be able to battle it out somewhere that'd be fun to come up to canada and race yeah i i can't i can't say i've ever raced outside the the country of the united states go. so yeah maybe canada add there um yeah yeah, it, yeah, it'll be exciting to uh, to see what they come up with, and yeah, it was, uh, yeah, congratulations to all the racers. Uh, again, it was a phenomenal weekend. I think everybody had fun on and off the racetrack. Yeah, I know. For me, obviously, shout out to John Seglin, Brandon Jarsacrack over there, and for you, for uh, you and Jeffrey and Marshall Martin at LSR. Great to have an opportunity to, to you know spend some time with great people as well. And we Camp have chaos, baby. Pardon me. <laughs> Camp chaos, baby. Camp chaos. Uh, Again, shout out to everybody that had such a great time. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Big uh, props as well to Acceleration Car Race, the presenting sponsor of this edition of the broadcast. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. We appreciate it. More to come. As David said, we may be turning around and knocking out the Outlap podcast like right now for this weekend's (laughs) USPKS race. So lots of work to be done here in the EKN Radio Network. Again, on behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Haddon. Bye for now.